0: Three, two one go welcome back to a hamster with a blunt pen knife the doctor who commentary podcast after the length of something very long three impressive gentlemen have come together again in conference about doctor who i am here today oh hang on does that mean i'm in the wrong call oh for goodness sakes how <laughs> you start with me already you all right, all right. <laughs> that was the incredible uh voice of Mr Fraser Gregory say hello fraser hello everybody we are also here with the incomparable Simon Hart say hello si hello and if somebody would care to just tell everybody what we're going to be watching today and talking about the long well. story
1: Uh, As Fraser would say, we're talking about the wrong story But as we're talking
0: about my choice I think we're talking about the right story I chose for the poll on Twitter Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit Which did all right.
2: Yep I picked Victory of the Daleks and Robot of Sherwood Which are obviously the more interesting stories to talk about That would add so much to discuss But just goes to show why you don't do Twitter polls (laughs) And I
1: chose... Mordrin
0: undead.
2: <laughs>
0: Which one? By a resounding <laughs> success. <laughs> like, hang on a minute. Who chose two doctors last time? Yeah, that was me. Which I still was haven't released yet. <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> that's our very first one, and no one has heard
0: it. I promise you, yeah. I, will. I will. I'll trouble you, sorry, I've got so many recordings with you. People are starting to think you and me are having an affair. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I am
1: apparently co-host of the Amsterdam with a blood pen and country oh, podcast.
0: Well, how have you two fine gentlemen been since the last time we reconvened here?
1: Very well, thank you. Well, it's, yeah, since the three of us were here last we we've fluxed, we've eaved. Mm. We've done it all.
0: I had a fluxing great time with that, you know. <laughs> In fact, we've all spoken on Trap 1 about the flux. We have, that's very true. Oh, my God. The bit where, sorry, the bit where you asked your assembled guests in The Vanquishers about their theories of the flux season. Oh, that was brilliant. It that was, was the so bit of podcasting <laughs> I have heard. In I was walking to work and I'm laughing my head off where you were just going, so Fraser's theory was this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was so yeah, funny. it comes
2: to something when your nine-year-old child predicts the story better than you. I, well, he did better than everyone <laughs> he did didn't he, he obviously didn't.
0: a child of a huge intelligence unlike his father <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> oh. um for, so why did you choose Morton Undead
1: well for several reasons because um one I'm running out of doctors that I haven't actually hamstered about That's true. and Davison is one of them um and um, I know I'm down to do the preceding story at some point. You are. Um, probably. Um, so <laughs> I'll get to in a row. But there's the... something about this story that I've always really liked. And I will cover this as we go through. Um, but I think it's a very interesting story to talk about. And I'm from the little chats that me and Fraser have had before this, I feel we may clash a little over why
2: oh great right. i mean that's that's just unheard of
0: yeah it seems to be a phrase and you're the one who's refereeing the pair of us well you've got to be different you've got to mix it up sometimes haven't you so right. i'm going to be the referee this time then i'm going to be the one who's right in the middle with a vanilla one you know mm. Mm. well okay well if you are ready on the button we can go into it and we can all share our undoubtedly fabulous opinions um, who would care to count us in? Fraser, off you go. Okie okay, up then. In
2: five, four, three, two, one. Peter Davison's face made of stars.
1: <laughs> oh my word. So these titles immediately transport me back to being between the ages of six and nine. And they are the most comforting set of Doctor Who titles in the whole world. <laughs> They're not the most... Wonderful titles ever, but I just feel a great sense of comfort when Davison's face Venetian blinds in. It's just <laughs> lovely.
0: And you just love the sort of electric guitar. I really love.
1: Yeah, I love that music, music and well. these titles.
0: It's my in which childhood. Case,
2: in which case? I've got a question for you, so si. Okay. Mm. Who do you associate these titles with? Is it Peter Davison, or is it Tom Baker, or is it Colin Baker? Oh, it's Peter. These are
1: Peter's titles
0: yeah.
1: more than anyone else's, I think.
0: Isn't Collins a little more rocky?
2: It's a little, It's got a bit more...
0: Yeah,
1: and up-tempo. it's a bit more colourful, isn't it?
2: Mm. But, yeah, I think the stars are a bit redder, aren't they? I've yeah, got to those... talk about...
0: Can we talk about this character Hippo, please? One, <laughs> that is a very derogatory nickname. And two, yes. he's quite sly. He, he isn't even fat, is he?
1: No. No. No, and yeah, he gets some awful things thrown at him through this story.
2: He does. There's a, there's a line coming up, which I'm going to draw our attention to later on, which is really quite terrible to be coming up in Doctor
0: Who, especially mm-hmm. with the character that says it. But the character himself, he's quite, he's quite relatable, I find, yeah, he's I think. We Well, the characters that are beaten down upon generally are. Yeah,
2: and he's, he's, he's sort of beaten down. He's he's the geek, isn't he? He knows that he knows his cars, he's got the passion for the cars, and he's he's clearly like the bullied kid, isn't he?
1: Yeah, and, and he's made friends with the bully, hasn't he? To thinks yeah. well, he has to try and escape it. So I mean this. I mean,
2: how, how many of us can relate to that growing up as Doctor Who fans?
0: Yes. <laughs> Quite <laughs> a, a bit. bit. Quite a bit. Um sorry, did you notice how tight the shorts were on those? Uh, <laughs> how could you like? not? I know. <laughs>
2: Dramatic. I not, I noticed the pause when you used to both stood and
1: start watching. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to
2: the music
1: because oh. the music is <laughs> fabulous <laughs> here. <laughs> is this Paddy Kingler's last? No, that's Frontius. No, Frontius is his last score. So this is his second to last score. Where did
0: he go? And he's just he having
1: was... fun, he's having a great time. He was <laughs> he so, so good, statistic. wasn't he? He was so good. Where did he go? Um, I think he just got other freelance work, he'd left the radiophonic workshop by this point, so oh, okay. he was a freelance, so he probably cost a bit more. So,
0: did Paddy and do Legopolis? Yeah, yeah, see,
1: that's a great score as well. Isn't that it? is, yeah, all of his scores are great. Did,
0: did he do, do visitation?
2: He did, yeah, did he do TRAK and Castro as well? He did, uh, yeah. but he didn't do Traken Traken, was
0: but... Roger Limb. Yeah, yeah, so I think you had two at the time, didn't you? I think, um, Paddy Kingsland and Peter Howe were the two, they were the kings, like Peter Howe's Kinder score is incredible. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, are you guys watching this with the new jazzed up CGI effects from the DVD or the old retro ones?
2: The old retro ones, old retro ones. I'm watching it on Britbox on the iPad.
0: Oh, Um, okay,
2: you know me, I don't do
0: you watching on brick. Good I'm, special effects. I'm surprised it's loading at all. Jesus.
1: Well, who is this mysterious character? We I'm haven't seen him for a while since one of our last
0: commentaries. We did. <laughs> He's looking very like Fraser right now with a bird stuck on his head. Uh huh. Oh my God, who's this? Who's <gasps> this? With this damaged it's car. It's the brick. Oh. No moustache. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Mm hmm Okay, I've got a question for the pair of you. Okay. Naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this story feels custom built for the Brigadier or would Ian Chesterton have been the better choice for this story? Uh, I'm going to throw that out to Fraser, first of all. Um, I'm going to see a Harry Sullivan.
2: Ah, mm. oh, who was the second choice, yeah. Second choice. No, it's it's it fits. It works for the Brig i think it works in as much as you can see that being what happens to the brig in after his career's finished leaves the army public school um job essentially just to to pass the time and that that feels quite believable and quite understandable i think if it was ian chesterton we would be sitting here and going well where's barbara
0: yeah yeah
2: you know, if it was just Ian, you'd, you'd want Barbara there as well. I don't Maybe think... Maybe you'd have
0: the scene at the end, though, where she'd be like, Ian, where have you been yeah. for the last five years? <laughs> <laughs>
2: or, oh, yeah, she it would just be missing, essentially. Um Harry Sullivan, I don't think it would necessarily have worked as well for him, because what's Harry Sullivan going to be doing, leaving the army or the navy as a surgeon and becoming a public school teacher? That wouldn't quite fit. But with a brig, yeah, it does.
0: I think it works. I'm going to make a a shocking suggestion that may force both of you to end this call. But this story features the Brigadier having essentially a breakdown, doesn't it? Like, there's, there's a few moments where he properly has to act out like some tough scenes. I'm not sure that Nicholas Courtney has the chops to play those scenes Now I think he's very good at what he does I think he's brilliant at the, as, the, as the kind of stalwart brigadier But that bit, there's a bit later on Where he's like, as a fiddle Always have been, I'm not at all convinced Oh, you see I think
1: Controversially, I think This is his finest brigadier <gasps> um, No, not Because of the character, I think this is his finest Performance in Doctor Who Because he's not being the twinkly brigadier he is bringing anger he is bringing things that we've never seen him do before to Doctor Who and I think he's superb I I really like that's one of the reasons I chose this story because I find it fascinating what happens to the brigadier here and that he's so down on his luck and it's it's tragic that a character who's been such a a big figure in Doctor Who who had this wonderful career and this is where he ends up. This is, that's wonderful.
0: I think that's really, really great. Don't you think it's really sad? I think it's so sad. He's ended up in that grudgy old heart teaching maths, you know, after saving the world. And then Um, the Doctor comes back into his life
1: and makes things better again. I like that.
2: I'm going to both agree and disagree with you. Right. Now, Frey, Frey, so don't be on the fence now. Come on. I'm gonna say that the best brig is season seven. Um yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I think oh, you know the brig as the actual soldier and things like uh, Ambassadors of Death in the Sidurians is where yeah. you know you, you get the best out of them. Um after that he just becomes a bit of a comedy whipping boy for for Barulettes and Tevin Sticks. Yeah. So, but in this one, I, I would agree with you. So he is very good in this, and I think, um, you know, he does hit those notes for me when he is having to play the the stiff upper lip. You know, it's it's very eighties, isn't it? It's yeah. he's, yeah, he's, he's has this very mental, much. mental, um, mental health problem that he doesn't want to talk about because he's yeah. a man, he's but, but he's,
1: up. he's not trained to deal with that
2: yeah he's yeah. a military man more than anything and it's you know that that's just so relatable you know in today's society when you know us men we are still doing that and we shouldn't and we should be a lot more open when things aren't going right for us and you know we should be looking to remove that stigma of talking about mm-hmm. um our own mental health problems um i think nick courtney really sells that from that angle of you know yes one you know just you know the frustration and the um, yeah, the buttoned upness, like the CSI.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, here we are, with Doctor Who's rockiest bit
0: of music ever. He's, he's he's off. Off. It's, oh, my God, it's incredible. He's off it his is. tits as an epiatic puddy. It's fantastic. He <laughs> it was proper go yeah. but it does sound like he's got like genuine percussion instruments playing.
1: Yeah, it, I, I
0: think so. He, Yeah, he played
1: a lot of instruments, so... He certainly plays the electric guitar at Radiophonic workshop gigs, so he probably played that himself. So at the end of the end episode, at the same can... time. But, well,
2: sorry, he does in this. Is he is he playing all these instruments together at the same time?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be genius. <laughs> He's definitely got a symbol going <laughs> at the end of the episode, yeah. hasn't he? Oh, my. I lo- I do really love this setting though. The public school. It's it's kind of. In an era that doesn't really come down like to contemporary Earth that often, it's quite nice to have like a domestic setting like this.
1: Yes, <laughs> uh, it's again, it's it's very interesting. Peter Grimwaite had worked um, before he did Doctor Who on Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which was <clears throat> a big prestige BBC show, um, which many people will know. But there, that featured an ex-spy who had been put undercover into a school as sort of a cover place. And he was down on his luck, living in a caravan, teaching the school, um, teaching the boys, um, sort of um, doing the, the sort of cadets and teaching at the school. So it a bit, there's a very um, sort of close parallel, I think, with what he's writing, with what he's he's seen filmed sort of quite well. So it's something in the zeitgeist at the time.
0: Oh, that's Andrew, uh, Angus McKay, isn't it? Who was Berusa it is. in the, the Yeah, the original Berusa. Yeah. As I always said to you, Doctor, you'll never amount to anything in the universe unless you curve this... Oh, no, what is it? Propensity for vulgar facetiousness. I knew you would know that! <laughs> I knew you would know that, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Where did you know, we rank him? Hats off to you. I think you are top fan here. All right.
1: did we, ra- <laughs> we? I think we ranked him second in our Berusa poll. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, much better than that bloody dribbling idiot in Ark of Infinity. Mm-hmm. Oh, a pulse loop, fetch it far Can I say something disturbing about this story? Uh, obviously, this story... <laughs> in-
1: Fraser's pulling a face here
2: already. Will um, it make
0: any difference if we're seeing no? None whatsoever, <laughs> no. Um, uh, t- this is Turlo's introductory story.
2: Um, yes.
0: Turlough bears a striking uh, resemblance to the man that I'm currently dating at the moment. And uh, I am very encouraged to buy a school uniform on the back of this. That's all I'm gonna say. And now I'm gonna shut up, okay? How do you guys, thank you. How do you guys, how do you guys feel about Turlough as a character? This is a big question now, all right? So I need big answers from you. Turlough as a character, Turlough, how he was introduced, and Turlo, how they went on to use him. Sai, Okay. So I think the introduction
1: is very good, and there's a lot of mystery and a lot of things left dangling that you don't know about where he's come from, why he's at an English public school when he's obviously knows stuff that he shouldn't know. Um, and that's really intriguing and really different. I think Mark Strickson is always excellent, yeah. always gives a great performance, even when he's given nothing to do. But the character is completely flawed because you know he's not going to kill the doctor and he's going to turn out to be all right. And it would have been better almost if they hadn't introduced him as in sort of in the press and everything else beforehand as a companion and he'd just joined and you didn't know. How long he was going to be there and what was going to happen. Um, I think they very quickly run out of ways of stopping him killing the doctor. Um, yeah, so, shove uh, him under in, a great. Has... Shove him under some great. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so, but, and then after that, because he's such a high concept companion, he's introduced as someone who's a bit shady and a bit untrustworthy. No one ever knows what to do with him after that. What, and, visually, game, and it's not till Frontius. Yeah. yeah, exactly. When Chris Bidme comes in and gives him interesting things to do, mm. but otherwise, I for for half of the Awakening, he's locked up. Yeah, he's he wanders round corridors aimlessly in Resurrection of the Daleks and you know in Warriors of the Deep and yeah. in the King's Demons. He, and in The Five Doctors, he's left in the TARDIS with Susan.
0: But he does get that great line, doesn't he? Big, isn't it? <laughs> what about you,
2: Fraser? What do you think?
0: Um, yeah, I think the character,
2: as is introduced here, is is really a good idea. It's it's something a little bit different. It's the idea that this person's coming on the TARDIS and you can't trust them. And obviously, Tegan doesn't trust them. At all, Nissa's a little bit trust on the fence. Anybody? Well, yeah, That's because Deegan's the best companion.
0: She um, I, Hang on, we're going to come back to that. <laughs>
2: so, yeah, so there's this this really fresh and interesting dynamic. This really good idea that you know, if Turo's come in and he's, he's not only is he wanting to kill the Doctor, but he's up there all no good. He's sabotaging the TARDIS, and he's you know, doing all sorts of, of, of bad things. I think for three stories and then leave him is the way that would work the best. At the end of Enlightenment, Turo goes off and does his own thing because when he stays, he is no different than anyone else we've had before. He's essentially a replacement for Nissa, who herself is a replacement for Adric, who himself is a replacement for K9. There's nothing new or interesting after that point about Turo and me I don't like the companions who can fly the TARDIS (laughs) why it it just doesn't feel right it feels that that's something the doctor should do the doctor should be the one that knows how to work the TARDIS
0: you must hate all those new series companions then because they're all at it
2: I'll give Romana a pass because obviously she's a a time yeah, lady she, mm-hmm. you know you must that's...
0: absolutely loathe Clara then because she flies the TARDIS all the time
2: the TARDIS flies itself Clara just suggested River Song flying the TARDIS no not happy with that Tegan can get away with it because she doesn't actually know what she's doing she's just pressing random buttons and things happen but when you've got Adric flying the TARDIS and you've got turtle flying the TARDIS it just doesn't it just doesn't seem right it feels no um and it just, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work having Turo as essentially just another smart
0: young companion. Um, you know, I always feel with Turlo, he's like the Star Trek Voyager of Doctor Who. <laughs> Enormous potential, almost entirely un- unfilled. You know, yes. unfilled. He's like the concept is—I think it's too good for a Doctor Who companion, because they just can't do anything really interesting or gripping with it. Because um, you can't... You, well, hes never Like Sly so said, he's never going to kill the Doctor, is he? So then they just have to keep finding ridiculous ways of Turlo being stopped, like jumping off his ships and things like that. It's, or like it's... after the end of episode one where he picks up the rock and then there's just a lame mm-hmm. explosion that pushes him away. And that's always going to be
2: the case, though. That's, that's just any old cliffhanger. Do, yeah, is exactly. Uh,
1: you, you could substitute
2: it's... an alien in there about creeping up on the doctor about to smash mm-hmm. his head in, and it's. Or you could just introduce Ibbotson at the start of part two, running out the,
0: the trees, shouting, Stop, don't kill him yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly the same, isn't it? You know, it's, it's... I do disagree when you say he doesn't do anything that other companions do. He looks over his shoulder in a shifty way. He does. He's <laughs> very than good any at that. Other and compa- he's in resurrection. Very, very good at stealing the scene from he's, other people. He's doing this, stealing every single scene. Yeah,
1: but it's odd. I, I think that um, Davison, Fielding, and Strixon are one of the strongest lineups of the '80s. Yeah. They're all super good together. There's real chemistry between them.
2: Say the strongest lineup for Peter Davison. I wouldn't yeah, necessarily, say without that issues, jack.
0: yeah, without a doubt. But, um, there's only one story I think where all three of them have their potential fulfilled and their chemistry absolutely rocks, and that's Frontiers. I think Bidmead knows what to do with all three characters in that story. I think Enlightenment as well. I think but they that's, all that's get, actually, very yeah, sorry, yeah, that's do that's, in
2: Enlightenment. That's... I, yeah. I think I like The Awakening as well. That's my favorite Peter Davidson story.
0: So, oh, God. Um... It's one of my least favorites. Let's do that one another time. Oh, I'd happily do that one. I like that one. Well, I feel like it should Why be. are doing this one then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like this running one our too? Stories. All right. <laughs>
2: Can't we've got to leave some hamsters for other people? Come on, let's be oh, <laughs> no, let's be generous.
0: Are <laughs> oh, you loving someone's shows. got
2: terminus? <laughs> There's
0: all these game shows floors that they do in the 80s. Look at that floor, it doesn't that wouldn't well, be out of place on blankety blank, but, but it's
1: supposed to be an opulent ship, so it would have opulent floors. It's it's amazing, this set. I've got it to say, this is. I mean, this look is at stunning. this
0: window behind them. Like, with, it's very Art Deco, isn't it? It's,
1: yeah, it's, it's, uh, the whole ship is very Art Deco. The doctor with
0: his DJ stand. His DJ <laughs> the... I'll tell you what, he needs a bloody haircut, though, does not he? Look at the state of his hair. Have you
1: seen his sideburns? Yeah. He's got yeah. great sideburns in this story. Honestly. Yeah. He's writing so it. But you love the story yeah.
0: that Janet Fielding had all of her hair chopped off between season 19 <laughs> yes. and 20. So they couldn't give her, you know, treat her hair like they did in season 19.
1: Good for her. I think this 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 hair really suits her. She looks yeah. great. She does. I know she, she doesn't does. like the boob tube, but it's a it's,
0: it's a good a costume. It's certainly a look. Yeah. And I love this.
1: Do the doctor running into the TARDIS and not noticing <laughs> that Turlo's there. That's great. And they're both looking up in unison. But again, this is Peter Moffat. And there's potential in there, but he never quite realises it.
0: I'm wondering, you know, if Paddy Kingsland's music, like madly hyperactive music, is making up for some of the static direction. Is he
1: bringing some, some pace? and Bringing some
0: energy, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think there's energy in the performances, but oh, for sure, and then the writing yeah, as well. But it's quite static, isn't it? In lots of places,
0: there's lots of scenes of them later on wandering the corridors, isn't it? Wandering, yes. yeah.
2: You know, it's it's not we're... running through corridors, isn't it? It's 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 ambling. ambling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Poor Nissa. she doesn't really get much to do in this,
1: does she? As usual, she get a lot. She gets a nice costume. I like that costume. It's
0: better than that one she had in Snake Dance. Just- <laughs> yes. uh, even that kind of uh, shuttle pod or whatever it is, is quite nicely designed, isn't it? Yeah, I the really like this cliffhanger. I think this is a very good cliffhanger.
1: It was very memorable at the time. I that, I-
2: oh, if I missed the lane, then- I was going to call out. Go on. No, no, I think that's next episode, Fraser. I thought it was this one.
0: Can you say it anyway?
2: Well, it's when Ibbotson's wet ran down to, to fetch the brig because Turo's disappeared in the transmat capture and the brig comes running back up and he says something along the lines of, you know, okay. you know what, Ibbotson, if you got some more exercise, not only would your body not be as disgusting, but you'd have a better imagination. And that's just terrible. That's a terrible
0: thing to say. It's awful, but it's probably quite accurate as to how they were treated in public schools at the time. <laughs>
2: But have the brig say that. Though, yeah. yeah. You know what? Just <laughs> go with me. You know, fair enough. Have, have the Black Guardian or another the headmaster say that. But it just feels like having the brig say that is a bit of
0: a. I mean, to be fair, it, it takes a bit of
2: a dump on his character, put it that skip, way.
0: Skip forward uh, to uh, Rusty Davis's time, and you've got entire episodes fat shaming people Voyager the Damned, Partners in Crime. Yeah. And the pilots. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I fatted yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. But it's,
1: I always think it's a sort of symptom of the Brigadier not being himself and being damaged that um, 70s Brig wouldn't have done that if he wasn't, hadn't sort of ended up with this. But that's an excuse and that's retconning. You know and that? it's probably not even consciously written by Peter Grimwade or thought about at all.
0: It strikes me as a ward line that you know.
1: Yeah, quite possibly. Oh, well, that 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 was the fault of the producer John Nathan Turner. <laughs> yeah. <right>.
0: He wanted. <laughs> do you know what? He's in there. He's in the special features area right? And oh my God, it looks like his face has melted. I mean, he is a grotesque <laughs> looking man. Now who? So, now who oh, is God. shaming someone? Well, now I'm so sorry. Uh, do you fancy him? No, well,
1: but you don't he's. Yet. 40 years older than me. That's very
0: true. Is he 80? Oh, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Or 70. Old. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but he's in there going, well, the producer wanted, you know, a character called Turlo. He wanted him to be a public school boy. And I'm sitting With there With red going, hair. I'm going, yeah, I bet he did. Jesus yeah. <laughs> Christ!
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: well, JT had something about red-haired companions, didn't he? Because he, when, when he was writing Mel's character... Uh, Uh, dossier such as it is. It specified curly red hair. No, not
0: redheads, all right. Redheads can be very mm -hmm. pretty. They can. I have nothing against them.